0: let's do this the cult of, of hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful i'm david staples of the edmonton journal and i'm here tonight with bruce mccurdy hey bruce
1: hey david how are you doing tonight
0: good good i had a beer league game and i hardly played because when i got out there i felt a bit of a <clears throat> not a bit of one like a major grind twinge so i just thought not doing this not taking that i don't want to be limping around so it was the last regular season game with the playoffs coming up, so I just sat it out. But other than that, Bruce, I'm doing good. And um, the Oilers certainly had a <laughs> typical night, typical Oilers victory, five-four. <clears throat> um. They um. They're an in- <laughs> they're they're an interesting team, Bruce. They're a very good team with some. Uh, iffy elements here and there. All right, let's just get at it. Two good things, two bad things, and two numbers.
1: What's your good thing? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Edmonton power play that uh, clicked on a two-for-four rate tonight, and they took two shots on net, and they both went in. Pretty efficient. Uh, Particularly efficient was the first power play goal, which I'm just going to talk about briefly, the five-way passing play that took an entire six seconds to produce the one-to-one goal, Uh, and the Oilers drew a a penalty uh, from some pretty whistle-happy referees in the first period in this game. Uh, Just a few seconds after uh, uh, Arizona had opened the scoring, and the power play went something like this. Uh, Drysaddle wins the faceoff back to Nuge. Uh, Nuge passes it over to Bouchard, he passes back to Nuge, he passes over to McDavid, he p- fires a perfect pass in front, and Hyman just chips it home from the edge of the blue paint. Bam. Took me longer to describe it than it took them to do it. Six yeah. seconds. And what did say? every guy on the power play touched the puck from the face-off win to it going in the back of the net. I think it's also appropriate to point out that nobody on Arizona touched the puck at any point in that sequence. It was just ownership and domination by Edmonton. They just make it look so easy sometimes when they, uh, you know, when they make their shots, basically.
0: And those weren't passes around the horn. Those were zigzagging passes, Mm -hmm. cutting, slicing through cross seam diagonal passes from Mm -hmm. Boosh to Nuge was a diagonal pass. Nuge to which was open it was the least challenging of the passes right. but then Nuge makes an incredible pass to McDavid and mm-hmm. McDavid makes an incredible pass to Zach Hyman. Yep. Excellent work.
1: Puck winds up in the net. Second power play goal was a little, uh, little less uh, a work of art but uh, efficient as well. And a good uh, a setup of an outside shot that just hit a leg in front and bounced to Nuge at the end of the crease, and he pounded it home. So, uh, And that was the game winner that that, uh, turned around what was otherwise a pretty weak third period from Edmonton, but uh, they got just enough to get the job done.
0: And um, Edmonton now has, Bruce, the number one NHL power play all all time again. They've uh, clawed back into the lead. They're tied... 31.9% 31.9% with Montreal, 1977-78 Montreal Canadiens, but um, Edmonton's ahead, I guess, by a few ticks uh, at the end of those decimal strings. So um, I'm really hoping they can they can uh, finish first overall all mm-hmm. time. That would be fantastic. It would be a fitting um, tribute, lasting tribute to this great power play if they were. If they got that that ranking number one all the time. Although I wonder if someone's going to go back eventually and work out power play percentages. You know, how hard would that be? Would that be that impossible? Like, like could not artificial intelligence do it? Maybe Chat wait,
1: GPT. Wait, yeah, yeah, maybe all the way uh, back. Yeah, yeah, a lot like, of a lot of like I look at those old summaries from time to time in my uh, uh, role as a as a uh, hockey historian uh, wannabe and. You look at the old um, uh, game summaries, and they don't even record the penalty data in some of them. Oh. So it shows up as the power play being zero for zero, and you, you I mean, you can see the penalties in the box score, but they nobody's done any of the work, so it would be a lot of oh. a lot of work to figure it out, and you couldn't do it then. So yeah. Or I someone would
0: so. have done it by now, I bet.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, they have job. gone back into, in quite a few different stat categories. I've gone back in time. Uh, I mean, save percentage when I started uh, seriously doing this in uh, uh, around 2008 or so, uh, they only went back to 1983. Now they go back, I think, 1955. So they've just gone back and done the work. And, you know, the shots have been recorded all this time and showing up in summaries, and somebody just had to go back and do the grunt work or, you know, set up the uh, most likely set up the computer. Uh, program to scrape the data and work it all out. And,
0: you know, one you know,
1: thing, but, go ahead, sorry. You know, just uh, some of the goalies of the late 60s and early 70s, early expansion era, uh, were the record setters. Uh, like for example, example, Jacques Plante, and the NHL record 944 save percentage, which was better than Dominic Hasek, who had been credited with the record, but when they went back and looked at past records, they found uh, Jacques Plante with, uh, I think it was when he was with Toronto of all teams, 944 save percentage. He had 940 in another year, like right around then too. So it wasn't. Like it a, was, yeah, yeah, it wasn't uh, even from his Montreal days. It was from later in his career, and so there's a few surprises like uh, like that that they uncovered when they went back into the uh, archives.
0: You know, you know, one thing that was never talked about or rarely talked about in the 1980s was a goalie save percentage. It was all goals against average was talked about. Yeah. But save percentage, like, because I was looking at Andy Moog's save percentages and they were all in the late, like high, you know, kind of like Jack Campbell's right now, like 80 or whatever it is.
1: It was good then. And,
0: and that was, yeah, f- fascinating though, because we never, never came up. It just yeah. never gets the go-to stat right now, like the you know the basic stat that's used to raise.
1: Goal save above expected, David. Come on, oh, that's, know, that's a new right. one. That's yeah, a new I don't.
0: One. I don't trust those numbers, Bruce, because they okay. if they count missed shots, uh, if they can anyone if they if they're counting missed shots or do they count missed shots on that no
1: one? No, on goal saved above expected. Those are the actual shots the goalie's face.
0: Yeah, they're so, still not counting velocity. They're still not counting screens or they're not counting a lot of stuff in those shot in those particular stats so they're, they're well, they depends. might be, they might be useful but I'm just mm-hmm. saying they're not
1: um I don't depends know who's like, doing it the, the one uh the goalie uh goalie guru that's on um um uh, Jason Greger's show every Monday uh Kevin Woodley yeah. they use a clear Sight analytics and they go uh, way deeper into how the shot is generated, where the pass comes from, is it screened or unscreened? Is the goalie moving or is he set? All those uh, all those variables that they try and cover. And apparently, clear sight clear sight is a is a, a good way. more advanced uh, than some of the sort of publicly available. Like you you can get it if you don't mind paying for it, but yeah. and some teams do, you know. And uh, but, no, I uh, have no
0: doubt that some of them, mm-hmm. some people are doing it right. Like there's many NHL teams, and there's many private companies that are doing it right and getting really good data on who's mm-hmm. making has the highest expected goal save percentage or whatever it is. But
1: they, uh, yeah, it's, it's, they have adjusted save percentage is kind of their yeah. their highlight one where yeah. expected save percentage and then adjusted save percentage. So sometimes even two goalies on the same team face a different quality of shot from one to the other and that shows up in their expected save percentage. And then they adjust from that. Why did I hear about Jack Campbell? He's letting
0: like fifth I think it was twenty-five more goals than expected this year.
1: Twenty-six more than expected was
0: the last uh wow
1: last number that makes
0: sense to me. Like that, that... was
1: from uh, that was from Sport Logique, which is another uh High-end analysis uh, company.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right with uh, Jack Campbell. Let me just see—we have our own stats on on it. (laughs) game. Is that what that is? Pretty
1: Pretty close. Like he's played just over 30 games. Uh, He is. um, He's 31 starts. 26 goals allowed, more than expected. Is that
0: right? 26. I'm just looking up our number. I just about have it. Come on, computer. Bring me the number. Bring me the number. Here we go. Jack Campbell has let in, according to us, 31. Sorry,
1: well, he's according made to our, a mistake on the he's goal. made a
0: major mistake on a goal against mm-hmm. 31 times. I think God. that's So we have it even yeah. higher than um,
1: that. although yeah, well, I think expect you would expect a, a few of those on any goalie. Like, they're, you know, no goalie's perfect. So, and, I mean, they also make saves what they shouldn't have made and so on. But uh, uh, anyway, 31 is a lot. 26 is a lot. Either way you look at it, it's not, not been good. Yeah. Skinner's at 18 and
0: considerably more playing time than know uh, Okay, my good thing, Bruce, is tonight. It's um, I was tempted to go with Darnell. There's shorthanded goal, but I'm going to go with the Bouch bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Oilers to win in the playoffs, they need Evan Bouchard to fire on net and score goals and create goals. It is a um, indispensable element of a of a top power play. And the Oilers have that with Tyson Berry. He can really Tyson Berry could really fire that puck. Bouchard I think has a better shot than Berry, although we haven't consistently seen it this year. Um, he he he. When he shoots and people block it, it hurts them consistently. You block Bouchard's shot, he's shooting it at a velocity few players in the NHL can achieve, and um, so it's just fundamental to this team winning in the playoffs, him shooting, and creating goals. And he did so tonight on two goals. Um, the the uh, Oilers' second goal of the game, um, they come breaking in. Um, Matthias Eckholm makes a pass, I think, to uh, Bukestad, who takes it towards takes it towards the net. The puck goes behind the net. And Warren Fogel picks it up and makes a very nice pass. Yeah. As Warren Fogel's been doing increasingly as this season's go, gone along, He's more confident with the puck. He found Bouchard in the high slot with the old low high pass, goalie way back in his crease, right on his goal line, and Bouchard just fired at it immediately. That was a wrist shot. Um, not so much a bomb. The the second goal, which you've already alluded to uh, briefly, was the, um, the winning goal, the power play goal, where Bouchard just, he wound up and he hammered that shot on net. And um, it was a blistering slap shot. And, it, you know, when I, when I think of that, the other great power play, of course, we've already mentioned this last podcast, was the Islanders' power play. And they had uh, Potvin and Stefan Pearson, who both had both great wrist shots. Yeah. And mainly wrist shots, but they could also... Potvin, okay, especially. Puck. Yeah, Potvin could really <laughs> shoot that puck. And uh, he could really wrist shot that puck.
1: Could beat goalies from the point with wrist shots. He could.
0: He was immensely <laughs> strong. And... Um, so Bouchard got off the shot and it ripped in there and, and it caused all kinds of torture and confusion and Legion Hopkins put in the rebound. Leon Dreisaitl set up that shot with a very nice pass back mm-hmm. to Bouchard. So the owners have players who can both who can set up Bouchard for the one-timer and he and he can unleash it. And that has to be an element um, for them to win and he, and he showed that he's capable of executing tonight. Just like he showed in previous seasons, he can do it. But his last two games on the power play, um, he's looked really solid to me. Was not a lot, lot of power play time overall tonight because of their execution. But even on the first goal where he didn't have much to do, he did. He got it back to him and he put it right where he needed to, really fast, really smartly. And he's starting to do that. I think we saw that last game uh, a lot of confidence uh, in
1: his passing the puck. Bruce, well, Bush, his His okay. his uh, one last thing on Boosh. Talked about this a while back. With tonight's outcome of one shot on net which went in, and three shots that were blocked, one of which resulted in Neuler's goal, but he's now back to having more shots blocked than on goal this year. 144 shots on goal, 145 that were blocked. Just a dismal ratio. Get, get, but as you say, the sort of the 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 um, the dark underbelly of it all is that when those shots are blocked, they tend to leave a mark. And they uh, often tend to leave uh, up the opposition either with a broken stick or a guy kind of wincing and trying to stay on his feet because he's taken one off the ankle or what have you. But uh, his uh, his shots getting through ratio has been terrible. Yeah, but, uh, I think his offensive game. He's. I mean, obviously he's starting to respond. I think he's up to 12 points in 11 games since Barry left.
0: 12 so, games, but...
1: Is um, 12? Okay, anyway, he's right 13 there. 13 games by now, yeah.
0: He's right there. Uh, so. Yeah, because the Ekholm trade was a little bit before the trade deadline, yeah. He is Evan Almighty when he's firing. <laughs> he's Evan Almighty when he's firing those point shots, Bruce. He he can hammer that puck. All right, your bad thing is...
1: Yeah, my bad thing is going to be the 4-3 goal. They got Arizona back in the game in the third period. And Edmonton had basically dominated the second... And they came out and they had, you know, like a full round of forward line shifts to start the third. And it just looked like they were really going to shut this thing down. And then they got a a dreadful sequence from Jack Campbell uh, on the 4-3 where the, the puck was shot in from outside the blue line. First Campbell came out to play the puck and then he delayed where he was going to pass it to and then he dumped it around the boards to nobody. So that's how Arizona got the possession of the puck. Uh, and then they were generated a sh- not-dangerous shot from outside, uh, and Campbell sort of punted out the rebound like he was doing all night. He was a trampoline in the nets tonight in terms of rebound control. Pucks were bouncing off him in whatever direction. I mean, the third and fourth that both resulted in goals uh, were rebounds that just went sideways. Uh, and so, in this particular one, the rebound went out to his right, and the uh, Phoenix forward who picked it up, uh, Matthias Macelli, who had a really good game, two really good games against game Edmonton in the last week, uh, uh, he was on it, and Campbell was, I don't think, expecting the rebound to go in the direction that, that he did. So, his first reaction was to thrust out after it with his right leg, and... So he got pulled way out of position, off to the side of the net, Michele beat him to the puck, pulled it all the way across the goal line, and now Mc, uh, Campbell is sort of mm-hmm. kicking across with his left leg, trying mm-hmm. to get across the net, and he just can't get over there. And Michelli just waits. McDavid almost checks it off his stick, but he's able to control it and then just tap it into the short side because Campbell's uh, kicking motions have just come up short, and then he's just in no position to, uh, to cover the rebound shot. And the original rebound, to me, it was a poor rebound, or at least an uncontrolled rebound. And there was just way, way too many of those in this game. And this one, all of a sudden it's in the net, Arizona's got life. minute later, they got another rebound, another goal, and all of a sudden the game's up for grabs.
0: Yeah, the turnover was bad, but the rebound was worse. So I yeah. think it was the biggest of the mistakes, because without that bad rebound, there's no goal.
1: Right.
0: So, yeah, um, he's he, he got the win. It was a typical Jack Campbell win, where he lets in four or five <laughs> oh, goals, and he still gets the win. And, um, you know, there's that to be said in his favor, I suppose, but he just is still not looking solid in the net, so much so that I, I hope when the playoffs come around, they call up Calvin Pickard and um, and have another goalie on hand, unless, unless Campbell, like he's probably, the owners aren't really fighting for much here, unless they can, if they can beat LA tomorrow, maybe they will be fighting for something. But other than that, they're just, Seattle lost tonight. I think it's, it's kind of settling down here. So there might be an opportunity to play him three or four times even and see if he can get his game together for the playoffs. If he can't, then call up Pickard for the playoffs. Jean-Luc. All right. Um go ahead. Did you have something you wanted to add? Uh,
1: yeah, I was gonna say he did he did kind mm-hmm. of stiffen up during down the stretch of this game, and I thought he was okay in the last five minutes. Wasn't a strong game, but he, he, he made a lot of great saves in the he first made, yeah he made made some yeah. saves.
0: Yeah, so we it's it's good for you brought that up because I was pretty negative there. But he did make, you know, they had nineteen the great the grade A shots were nineteen for um Phoenix for Arizona and 13 for the Oilers the five alarm shots were 10 for Arizona six for the Oilers so essentially he stole the game you know by our definition which is uh, four grade A shots differential by the you know I use that definition earlier this year I should say but a lot of those shots came on rebounds and he was his own worst enemy in that regard um my bad thing is the first goal against where he he didn't um make a mistake on but um a lot of other orders did and it's more just the first goal of the game thing i know that the orders have been in the habit of more often now scoring the first goal of the game but i'm just it's just a it's tedious you know still it, it's a it was a bad i just i just had a little bit of reminder of this bad habit and with campbell and that it just left a sour taste even though again he wasn't particularly bad on this goal he, he uh, It was screened by Evander King, but um, the play starts, Matthias Janmark, who I think is the best defensive forward on the Oilers, he was covering at the blue line, I think it was Nurse who went in, and Janmark was there to cover, and what does he do? (laughs) He plays like a forward at the blue line, when when Arizona starts rushing up the puck, instead of skating backwards like a defenseman, he skates forward to try to pick it off their stick. And, um, man, that was a mistake because they just went, they, they you know, it was styled on the plane. They just drove up the ice. And um, it's uh, that Matthias Macelli, is that his name? Mm-hmm. He takes the puck in. He cuts back into the middle. He does a cut back into the middle of the slot uh, around CeCe. And then through a screen, he shoots on net. And i it sounded like there was a tip. It just might have been sticks clashing in front of the net. Might have been. Or it might have been hitting Evander Kane's stick and going in, but it sounded like there was a tipped shot, sure did. Um, and uh, it beat Campbell. So it's just a, it was a crappy start to the game. Like you just it'd be nice just to win one of these games 4 nothing or six nothing. Yeah, sure would.
1: Yeah, no, it was a shot. I did get tipped, uh, just like the second one, and both of them found a hole in Campbell, which is a saying that we've been using a lot this year. And in both cases it found a hole between his arm and his body. It was the glove side on the first one, stick side on the second one. But puck you know, it wasn't like just inside the post, unstoppable. It just was deflected and somehow found a found a hole. I don't know. Um, Like the other one. You don't blame Campbell on that goal, but you still like to get a stop, you know? Like close up shop in there anyway, and like I say, down the stretch in the 30 I actually did a better job of that when it mattered. So I'm still puzzled as to how I'm going to grade that performance.
0: <laughs> I'd say, I would I'd say a five, and,
1: uh, maybe. four or five. That's where I'm at, right in there. Yeah.
0: All right, your number, Bruce. Is... Yeah, my number. uh,
1: yeah, I'm gonna go with I was just gonna give Campbell's eight straight 800 game or below 900 games and stuff but no i'm gonna go away from that my number is 300 and 300 the, the the orders entered this game with three players in a three-way tie with 299 goals each and the hope was that all three of them would score in the same game and set some kind of record. <laughs> But in fact, only one of the three scored and it turned out to be Leon Dreisaitl that finally burst the bubble of the of the 300 uh, with a big goal that put Edmonton ahead 4-2 late in the second. And it's funny how it goes, you know, like his previous shift, Dreisaitl had an absolutely fantastic chance uh, where... Uh, first of all, the Oilers had one great chance in close, and then RNH uh, was able to pull the rebound out of the pile back to Leon in the mid-slot with the goalie down and the net gaping. And he fired right away. He got it up, but he was, but he dinged either the post or the crossbar. I never saw exactly where it hit other than... I think it went out of play, so that usually means crossbar and up and out. So... Uh, that seemed to be just a glorious chance and then uh, on his very next shift the uh, shot came or the pass came from Ekholm at the point and he was trying to hit the oiler in the slot and the uh, defender for Ari- Arizona I think Josh Brown uh he reached out to deflect the puck away from that guy uh might have been Nuge in the slot and it went instead to uh uh dry saddle by the boards and he just quickly let her rip while sort of the chaos was in front of him and it just went right through everything and into the net from from the boards and he had a look of bemusement on his face sort of thing and i can't believe i missed the last one and then this one went in but sometimes that's the way it works Eckholm got hosed out of an assist on that play by the way because they they yeah. called it as if the Arizona guy had full possession, and all he did was tip the puck away from one oiler to another. To me, I wore that assist, you know, every time. It's it's one thing if the guy has full control and gives it away, then it's an unassisted goal. That did not happen on this play. So, minor thing. Ekholm's not looking for points bonuses or anything, but uh, I thought he got rooked there. Anyway, 300 for Leon. Congratulations. And they asked Zach Hyman about it after the game and he said, how, how can you explain a guy with uh, with uh, the reputation of the best passer in the league has 300 goals and he said he's a pass first 50 goal scorer and that's exactly what he is because he's, well, he's a pass first player the whole time. He shoots when you know, yeah, when, when, when it's the right decision <clears throat> to shoot but he won't waste shots from outside very often in this actual case he did but it wasn't really wasted because there was there was chaos and screenage and uh, I don't think the goalie ever saw it
0: as I recall we've seen a past first 92 goal scorer in the mother's in history <laughs> true that it can happen <laughs> um it's more in basketball where like the, the idea of a pass first scorer is more of an anomaly like mm-hmm. you know the scores in basketball they like scoring and they score I are like no. taking the ball to the hole. Yeah, it's less likely that they're going to be great passers, although it happens like Larry mm-hmm. Bird, Ron James, obviously. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Bruce, my uh, number, I've got two numbers which are work in tandem. One of them okay. is 2301, and mm-hmm. the other one is 1827. Mm-hmm. And they're the even-strength ice time for Matthias Ekholm at 2301 and Darnell Nurse at 1827. And... Um, <clears throat> just shows in this game, at least, they were trusting at home with a slightly heavier minutes. Well, considerably heavier minutes, four and a half more minutes and even strength. Like They're really counting mm-hmm. Ekholm at, at this point. And Evan Bouchard, who was at 21-11. Right. And Cody Ceci was at 16-27. So it was just as big as Gap there.
1: Right, five-minute Gap um, in both cases, basically.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting just how... Bouchard and Eckholm have been rising in the coach's esteem. They're really starting to rely on these two players. And I can see why. I know, again, Evan Bouchard has his critics. He has his faults. He makes mistakes. Um, but um, he can really move that puck. And in combination with Ekholm, who's a superlative defensive player, they're quite a pairing. They're quite effective out there, extremely effective. And um, I can see why the coaches want them on the ice more than any other defensive pairing right now, at least in this game.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, they're extremes. There was one play in the first period where it was just the two of them involved in a play that resulted in an Arizona breakaway. And this was one where Ekholm went back under pressure and he tried to fire a hard shot off the boards and to clear the zone. Uh, at first it looked like maybe he shot a caught an Arizona player's leg that was over the boards ready to come on for Oh job. yeah. But I looked at the replay and what he did was he fired it very hard off of a green plastic it looked like it sounded like sign that was on the boards inside the line and it hit the board it hit that that spot and it went splat and it just died. And, you know, Holmes, I mean, his shot was plenty strong enough that that thing should have just mm-hmm. sort of sprung off the boards and out into the neutral right. zone. And so they picked it up by the boards. And then Bouchard, for no apparent reason, he stopped skating backwards and he just starts sort of coasting towards the puck. And one pass and the guy is behind Bouchard and in for a shot. And Campbell stopped that one. Uh, so that was the one. But then there was a, the reverse one in the second period. Same two players, also a breakaway, but this time it was Bouchard holding the puck, waiting for an Arizona guy to commit to the line change, and Eckholm snuck right in behind him. Bouchard hits him with the perfect lead pass, and Ekholm just goes around everybody, tries to deke the goalie, goes wide on the goalie, and Vemelka uh, had to do this full-on split right across the net to barely stop the, the deke and shot by, uh, by Eckholm. Beautiful play, really, by both guys. And by the goalie, I guess, to make that save. And so, just kind of get, with Bouchard in particular, you're going to get some of both in most games.
0: Yeah. Bruce, let's Hmm. leave it there. We're going to be back at this tomorrow night. Same time, same place. We are. We are. Let's just, uh, you got some writing to do. So, I I will sign off and say thank you for talking tonight.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime... And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult Hockey Podcast.